random tangents. Exploring the spaces where life and truth intersect. Okay. All right. Are we live? Well, I mean, we're recording, oh, if okay. that's what you mean. Is it... It's, we're not live because I, you know no one's listening you know to this. What do I mean? Well, we well you know I I, I got to make fun of you in some small way. Mm, thank you. The, the, Appreciate the, that. The, the core of our relationship. Feel the love, isn't it? That's isn't just, that part of the love languages? Is words of affirmation words or of, sarcasm? <laughs> <laughs> See, that's a subset. Uh, sure. You know, it is. I don't. Yeah. Yeah, I don't. Just I don't. like, you know, physical touch is one and then pummeling and people, punching people. them. Yep. I still I, I still have a small problem with that. <laughs> well, it's not like I well, I can hurt people. I have hurt a couple of people. <laughs> I did hurt Tim Dale. But he was kind of a wuss. Hopefully he listens to this podcast. Oh, uh, well, I'm not going to edit that. So I'm going <laughs> to no, tell no, him within the first in. within the first 10 seconds, you know. There's a shout out Tim to Dale you, Tim. Is, Tim Dale, you're a wuss, man. Love you, bro. bro. Love you, bro. <laughs> well, anyway. Uh, okay, well, welcome to the Random Tangents podcast. We should sound very professional and rehearsed because we had already recorded a bunch of what we were going to talk about today, and then it just disappeared. It just went away off the computer. <sighs> so we're having to redo it all over again. So this should just be better. Yeah. Even better than the last time. I have to work through my being annoyed. It should be fantastic. Yes, it'll be fantastic. It's going to be great. Okay. <laughs> so this is our first full conversation on the Random Tangents podcast, and we have decided um, randomly. No, that was As per random. the name. I don't know. Oh, it wasn't random? No. I thought it was random. We've been talking about this for several months when we discussed doing the podcast. Is talking about fear. Well, okay. I don't remember that conversation. Of course you but. don't. <laughs> but we did. But anyway, our conversation topic today is going to be fear. Yes. Right? Yes. One of the most primal emotions in the human heart. Many of us wrestle with fearful feelings or anxiety every day of our lives. What does the Bible have to say about fear? How should it function? Is it good for anything? From phobias to FOMO, today on the Random Tangents <laughs> podcast, we're talking about fear. FOMO. FOMO. You never heard of FOMO? No. Fear of missing out. Oh, yes. Okay. It's a big thing. Yes, and that actually the, one of our listeners... All the kids are talking about it these days. Okay. Fear yes, of missing now out. Now our second shout out of the podcast to Scotty. Yes. My good friend, Scott. Uh, Who may not have wanted a shout out. <laughs> he might have wanted to be I think he absolutely. I think he absolutely wanted a shout Hi, out. Hi, Scotty. Okay. We love you, brother. So, yeah, he, was, he said we should talk about FOMO as a part of our discussion. And I, do, I think that's a good idea. Fear of missing out is a thing for a lot of people. Um, especially in this day and age, which is one of the reasons people stay glued to Facebook, Twitter, et cetera, mm -hmm. is because they've got FOMO. They sure. don't want to miss something, know, anything, yes. everything. Yeah, exactly. And so they live in this place of anxiety about missing things and it probably causes them to miss things. Right. That's a good point. Fear does that, right? It does. Okay. So I thought we should start with, uh, talking about our own personal relationships with fear. Okay. Okay. So, uh, I'm going to, I'll just, I'll ask you what, what, 
Describe your own personal relationship with fear. I don't think we actually introduced ourselves. I'm Michelle You're Kane. right. We didn't. I'm so sorry. And who are you? You, you need to say it again because I talked earlier. Oh, okay. You. I am Michelle King. And I'm Josh Hawkins. Okay. Now we can keep Welcome going. once again to the Random Tangents welcome, Podcast. Welcome, 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 Episode one. Episode one. Okay. Or should it be episode four? Should we go backwards like Star Wars We're not going to do that. But that would mean we'd only have... No, this, that's not true. This would be a great place. So to... we're going to do episode four, five, and six, and then yes. we're going to go back and do one, two, and yep. three, and then we're going to do six, seven, and yep. eight. Yep. Six. What? No, seven, eight, nine. Seven, eight, nine, and then. And then we're going to do random and... ones that just kind of fit in between. Yep. No, we're not doing that. Okay, huh. it's episode one. So. Um... This would be a great place for you to put the Yoda <laughs> bit in there. <laughs> right uh, here. Yes, where he's like, "Fear leads to suffering." Yes, it's yeah. a great quote. Okay. Fear is the path to the dark side. Fear leads to anger. Anger leads to hate. Hate leads to suffering. I'll go back in the editing and, and do that. Okay, great. All right, so, Michelle, <sighs> describe for us your personal relationship <laughs> with fear. I'm feeling a little vulnerable here. This is vulnerable. Are you feeling afraid? No. Okay. No, I'm not afraid. A little cold. But it I'm is not a little afraid. chilly down here. Yes. Yeah. Um, well, as I mentioned in the previous time we talked about, yeah, no, I, I can't. Right. Be, I can't keep doing that. We I'm, have no I'm proof a little that bitter. that's there. That, you know, we that, that even exists. But I'm, I'm, I'm wrestling through bitterness. I'm sorry. It's all right. We can do that in another <laughs> podcast. <laughs> that could be. That could be a long one too. Bitterness. Oh my goodness. <laughs> we could go have three or four on that. Anyway, so. My relationship with fear, um, uh, growing up, I dealt with fear in the aspect of I would lash out, I would be angry, I wouldn't cry. Um, I very rarely cried all, all the way through until I gave my heart to the Lord in my early 20s. And then I literally like cried all the time for like a year. And... Now I cry at everything. <laughs> it broke a dam within me. But when I was little, when I was younger, going through the stuff that I, you know, dealt with, um, divorce with my parents, um, abuse, dealt with uh, molestation, sexual abuse, and some stuff like that. So my response was always anger. Obviously, right. I wouldn't have known that that was what it was. Sure. Uh, but... My mom recognized that, you know, I would get mad if somebody did something. I would just instantly be mad. And she said that she prayed about it and that the Lord showed her that that was actually me dealing with my fear, mm. fear of rejection, fear of being hurt. So instead of dealing with my hurt, I hurt other people. Right. Um, then growing up, um, just until, gosh, I don't even remember when it was that you were still at first assembly and um, you actually at the altar had prayed with me about feeling not worthy and that fear of all of that. And that mm. was a huge thing for me. It was several years ago. And since then I've very much been freed from a lot of that. It doesn't mean I don't deal with fear. Right. And this past year I've dealt with a lot of anxiety oh, and yeah. stuff that I had not dealt with since I was, you know, an older teenager um, when I was married in, in an abusive relationship and stuff like that. So, um, but dealing with that whole 
not feeling good enough, not feeling worthy, um, created a huge fear base for me and how I dealt with not putting myself out there, not, you know, I would hide behind humor and fun. And I, and I very much am that way now. And I love to do that. But at the time it was, that was how I would hide behind the hurt and hide behind not feeling worthy and good enough. Um, and not feeling, even though I knew God loved me from afar, him loving me intimately and and wanting to be in a relationship with me. And I still feared him in an unhealthy way. Absolutely. Okay, great. Um, how do you I think? I didn't feel like that meant you meant that. <laughs> you said, okay, great. I, I feel, I don't feel like you meant that. I was just using that <laughs> the, as a, as a, as an, um, to collect okay. my thoughts. Okay. I didn't, I didn't mean anything by it. So I'm just so, giving so, you a hard sorry time. Sorry about that. Uh, but, uh, what was your next question? If you felt like my great wasn't sincere <laughs> listeners, you can email <laughs> random tangents podcast at gmail.com. Yes. Um, okay. So, <laughs> uh, no, no, thank you for that. I I'm seriously, I appreciate time. it. Um, but, uh, what, you didn't talk at all about how do you think it's affected you as a parent? Oh, yes. Um, that, that That is such a hard one because we don't think about it, especially when we're young. I was 18 when I had my oldest. And um, I wasn't living in a place where I was like, okay, God, you gave this child to me to um, take care of, but ultimately this child is yours and you know, I need to trust you with this child, no matter what happens, good or bad, you know, this, that, and the other. Um, but that is a real issue as a parent. And it's a hard place to be to trust that God loves your kids more than you Mm. and to not interfere and not intervene and not, operate out of a place of fear, right. you know, and the older I got, the better I got at it. I mean, sure. the, the, the poor girls, they got all of my, all of my yes. bad stuff. I feel like all of the firstborn children yes. deal with a lot more neuroses than the other they, kids. They definitely do. They definitely do. Um, but it's, it's one of those things where you, for me, you know, you have to get to a place where, um, you trust no matter what, because it can paralyze you, yeah. especially, I mean, I have a lot of kids, so right. it isn't just like it's one or two. It's like I have 10 kids, so I have just as much stuff to anxiety that I could have right. on my plate with each one of them, no matter where they are. And that can be extremely overwhelming. Right. And so, yeah, it's a, it's a real thing. It's a, it's a real problem. And as the world gets seemingly a little crazier. I'm sure parents are going to have to lean into not operating in that fear, whether they're a, a Christian parent or not. Right. If you are a Christian parent leaning into the Lord, what does that look like? Yes. Um, but fear-based is just, it will destroy you, you know, and I think you have some things to talk about that as far as like physical things that happen within oh, the yeah, body absolutely. and stuff like that. No, but we definitely need to talk about that. All of those things, all of those things combined can definitely do that. Sure. So how about you? 
Well, um, I have an interesting relationship with fear in that it's been one of the ruling, it's, it's been one of the primary ways I've made decisions for the majority of my life, mm-hmm. but I didn't recognize that mm-hmm. until comparatively recently. So I'm 42 years old. This came to my awareness that I was operating primarily out of fear only maybe five years ago, six years ago, mm-hmm. um, uh, maybe a little longer, but I, it was before I became pastor of this church. So it would have been at least five years ago, um, but not much further back than that. So, um, and that wasn't, that wasn't an, an encounter with the Lord that I had a conversation that I had with the Lord at a conference where he took me on a walk and started to talk to me about the God that I really worshiped was fear mm. and not him. Wow. And, uh, and a very convicting conversation, obviously where, where he was revealing to me over and over again, choices I had made obeying fear and not obeying love mm-hmm. and ways that I had shut myself off from relationships and from people and from opportunities and from et cetera, because, because I was, I was afraid and I was avoiding, avoiding things rather than, rather than things that I, that, that I should have engaged with and I should have been, uh, you know, moved forward in. And so not to say that that's not still an issue. It absolutely still is an issue in my life. And in fact, it's, but now it's on, now I can see it much more clearly. Mm-hmm. And uh, since I became senior pastor of this church, um, my, I've had a daily wrestle with anxiety mm-hmm. that uh, has really marked these last five years of my life in, in a greater way than ever prior to that. Um, and I, part of that is I think I am suffering more anxiety now, but I'll, but also now I'm a much more aware of, of that process inside, inside of me. And so, um, so fear has been a, an arch enemy for me, truly, even when, even though I couldn't even see it at, at first, I didn't know that I was operating out of fear, uh, for a long time. Do you think it affected your relationship with God? You talked about other relationships. Oh, it absolutely affected my relationship with God. Now, the truth is, God was one of the only people that I felt truly free with. Mm-hmm. Um, I could talk to him about anything, etc. Um, so it probably affected my relationship with God less than it did most of my other relationships uh, because I trusted him. Um, but which is an interesting point of that is you, was your fear based in not trusting? Yeah, I, my fear was based in, I I was running, I, I, I was afraid of pain and, Uh and so I was trying to avoid painful, embarrassing experiences. And so I would keep myself back from Sure. Places where I didn't feel like I had anything to offer or places that I didn't, you know, et cetera. That was all those that that was what I was doing. All so the time. coming here, because you said you you experienced it more since coming here. And it's right. not like because, you know, 
being the, well, I have a lot more responsibilities exactly. now than I've ever had before, and so the weight of that. Yes, absolutely. It's a bigger. I feel like that's a. There's more. Do you think that that's a struggle across the board with a lot of pastors? Absolutely, it has to be. It has to be. I don't know. I mean, I talk to other pastors, and everybody's different. But I know my dad. You know, I grew up, and Dad used to talk to us all the time about how worried he was about certain things and whatever. And we'd always, you know, say, "Well, Jesus told us not to worry, Dad." And he said, "Well, talk to me when." You have as many responsibilities as I do. Right. And then we can talk about worry, right? Right. And, and so I know that it marked his life mm-hmm. um, uh, because I was there for it. Uh, but when it came when it comes to other pastors, I, it must. It must because this is a, unless you just don't care about how well you, about how your ministry affects people. Mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm. Which, if that's true, you should not be a pastor. <laughs> no, did I'm just going to do what I do. And who cares? Exactly. Whatever happens, happens. That's that can't be okay. And I'm not saying we should live in anxiety and fear because we really, obviously, we shouldn't. But, but, uh, but, and maybe that's something we need to talk about because the way that I talk about this with my wife is the difference between concern and mm-hmm. fear, right? Because being concerned about something like uh, actually taking the time, energy and resource to do things well and to make sure things go right and to, uh, and to, and to do things the way you think that they need to be done or the way you feel like the Lord wants you to do them. I think that I would call concern. And I would say that's absolutely the way we should operate all the time right? with our kids. Uh, are they eating Enough and right. the right things, et cetera. Are, are they learning the right things? All of that's concern. And I, that's all perfectly, that's just care. That's right. just what it looks like to love people. Um, but fear, I would say, goes beyond that. Well, I think it goes, to, it's kind of like on a, um, I don't know if it's on a pendulum kind of thing, but it's, it's spectrum. a spectrum. Yeah, yeah, that's the right word, is a spectrum of, uh, obviously, you don't want to have, you know, whatever happens, you know. And then you have concern and then, but I feel like it so easily jumps right into the fear. Yeah. And whether that's not known, like yeah. you dealt with, yeah. um, or it's um, something that you don't feel as though you are strong enough to work through and not allow yourself to go there for whatever reasons. Um, obviously... God made us and we have a fear response. Sure. So that is an emotion that is within our bodies, that it's within us. And like, you know, you had mentioned before, um, anger and fear, those uh, in and of themselves are not bad. Right. It's what you do with them. It's what we do with them. Correct. And how our bodies and our minds and everything responds to those things. Well, like you said, like with your first kids, and I remember a specific moment with Isaac, uh, my, for my oldest child, um, where, uh, I was really worried about sudden infant death syndrome, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. I was worried he was just going to stop breathing and we wouldn't know. And then we'd find a dead child and, you know, right. and so I had, uh, we had kept his bed like in our room, et cetera, 
for a long time and and uh and when we went to move him into his into the nursery right into his room right it was really hard for me yeah and uh and so because i couldn't check on him every because what i used to do is just kind of wake up and just listen for a second to hear if he was breathing and then i would could go back to sleep right um and i knew that was going away i wasn't gonna be able to do that anymore and that bugged me um and so that first night I put him to bed in his own crib, right? You slept in the room on the floor? And, well, I thought about it, right? Yeah, I, I know. Thought about it. I didn't do it, but I thought about it. And Rachel, my wife, just always rolled her eyes at me about that kind of stuff. It's like, are you crazy? <laughs> like when he was first born, I suggested that we take turns sleeping because oh i'm well, sure that went over yeah, that well did, it did it didn't it, that that didn't happen no i uh, yeah uh, she I was smarter imagine. than me about that <laughs> but um but when i put him to bed uh, and i just i prayed over him and i heard the holy spirit say to me he's more mine than he is yours mm-hmm. so you're going to have to trust me to take care of him when you can't right and i think that's the line is when was we realize that we can do so much, but not more. Right. And when we get to the line of, I've done what I can. Right. Then we have to hand off the rest of that to the Lord. And that's with everything, not just being a parent. Absolutely. That's in everything in our lives of. Yeah. And we just have to be willing, though, in that moment to say, I have to trust you with this. Right. Um, right. Because I he have could no say that very sentence. To us specifically, when right. he said to you, he's more mine than he is yours. Yeah. We are more his right. than we are our own. Yeah. But you also have to recognize that there are a lot of people who aren't feeling that way or believing that way or sure. op- or trusting God right. for anything. Yeah. And there's a world full of people who are dealing with this without having that extra... Yeah. Comfort, that extra person helping them, that extra mm-hmm. whatever you want to call it. How do we navigate that? How do they navigate that? How do we help them navigate Xanax? that? Xanax? I don't know. I mean... Xanax. <laughs> not, there's nothing wrong with Xanax. No, there's that, absolutely no. nothing wrong with Xanax. But I totally... I don't know how people deal with their fear. Right. Without a relationship with the Lord. I really don't. Right. Which is one of the reasons I talk to people about having a relationship with Jesus, because I don't know how I would not be able to get through life. Right. Without a relationship with Jesus. That's just the truth. And people say, religion is just a crutch. They say, well, I'm just a cripple. Right. Okay. That's a good word. <laughs> I like the, that. That's the truth. Right. I need, I need, I, I'm not meant to, we were not created to live this life without the Lord. And so when I talk to people about fear or anxiety or whatever, and they don't have a relationship with him. Um, but there are yeah, a lot of people who do, do have a relationship with Jesus who are still feeling oh, that's certainly true. just as crippled. Right. Yeah. And we need to be able to love people there where they are. Yeah. And I don't know how to help them navigate through it, but to, you know, other than to recognize that they're not alone and that right. they can do it. And, to also dispel the whole, you know, someone mentioned to me bringing up the idea of um, you just need to have more faith, you know, mm-hmm. is that faith, not fear. Right. And that shames people right. into feeling that if they are fearful and they're dealing with anxiety and fear that 
they're just not being right. full of faith. And that's a bunch of hoo-ha in my head. Right. Well, I obviously, I mean, I've described my relationship with fear. Right. <laughs> uh, and I still wrestle. I mean, that, that conversation I had with the Lord was revealing to me. And he did help me with it. But that was not the end of my relationship with fear. Right. And, and fear, faith, not fear is, a, a very black and white, not very useful conversation to have right. because fear is a part of human life. So maybe we should talk about that a little bit. I mean, the, the reality is that fear is something that God created, right? It's a part of us. Mm -hmm. It's a part of being a human being. It's a part of being a vertebrate animal mm -hmm. because literally all vertebrate animals experience fear right. it, with the same chemicals that it, that it make up the fear response in our bodies right so all the way down to you know a mouse or you know i mean you think of the whatever the the lowest level of vertebrate animal you can think of they all experience fear they all have the same chemical reactions that take place in their brains as we do when we're experiencing fear. And so that's obviously something that exists in us for a purpose. Right. Uh, it has uh, its uses. Um, and we did. Which, anger is very, very similar. In fact, it's a lot of the same chemicals, really. Uh, anger, which is why I don't know that you, when you were a kid, responded in anger. I think you misunderstood your own emotional response. Mm. And so you behaved in an angry way, even though what you were feeling was fear. Was fear. Because uh, adrenaline mm -hmm. is kicked into the system with both, with both anger and fear responses. Um, fight or flight, which was, is what we call the fear response, uh, is is kicked in with both fear and anger. Mm -hmm. uh, we become, we, we are, our bodies prepare themselves to either run from a threat or confront the threat. Right. Um, and uh, speaking of fight or flight. Yes. You're going to either run or confront this pun that I'm about to give you because oh it is time gosh. for the pun of the day. You were doing so well. I know. But see, this is why we have to break things up. <laughs> you know, we just, we just have to, we have to do it. And I'm scared. You've already heard this pun because I, I had read it to you before. But you're going to say it out loud I, again. I'm going to say it out loud one more time, <sighs> at least, because I think it's hilarious, even though you did it. Nope. Um, <laughs> so, Michelle, what starts with W and ends with T? No, it really does. <sighs> I swear. <laughs> it's terrible. Horrible. I think it's great. I love it so much. Ugh. It's really terrible. Uh, that's why I love it. I'm if, afraid if, for if you your groan. punny brain. <laughs> <laughs> I just read through. Come on. You, know, you need puns to find better ones. And <laughs> the first one that makes me laugh is um, the one you do. Is the one that I do. Okay. Have you seen the the Bernie Sanders memes from the inauguration? Yes. They went like. Did people have nothing else to do yesterday? Like literally hundreds of them. But I do love his mittens. Oh my gosh. I I I just keep send us Bernie Sanders memes to random tangents podcast at gmail.com. No, they need to do something more productive with their lives. Because that was really funny. It and was made so me laugh funny. really, really hard. 
Okay. I have anyway. felt like him many times. <laughs> There's just a complete mood. And then the mittens just the make mittens it. The mittens just top it off. Top it off. Yes, absolutely. They so do. funny. <laughs> All right. So anyway, leaving Bernie Sanders behind. Yes. Uh, just yeah, like the Democratic Party did. Was sitting. <laughs> 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 boom. Okay. Um, uh. That was funnier than your pun. <laughs> <laughs> That's how bad oh, your pun man, was. Man. I just I just enjoy the man. <laughs> he makes me laugh. I, I enjoy I just I love his pugnacious presence. Pugnacious is not our twenty dollar word of the day. No, though, it so isn't. We're just, no, we're just gonna keep moving. So anyway, okay, so here we are. Let's talk about let's get uh, back to our conversation on fear. So uh is fear a sin? I don't think fear is a sin, um, just like I don't think anger is a sin. Right. Because, as you said, it's it's just an entity that's put in, that that's in our bodies. It's, it's of made us. of who right. we are. Our emotions are not. But sins. it's what we do with it that can right either cause some sinful responses and reactions and doing whatever, or maybe not even sin. Maybe not sin is not the right word. Right. It takes away from us living a full and healthy life because mm. it um, debilitates us. Right. Well, when it's not being used for its purpose. Correct. That's the thing is all of these things, you know, God created everything. God created uh, all of the things that get twisted to become sinful. Right. God created them all because the devil didn't create anything. Right. Um but he loves to take the things that God creates and move them outside of their purpose and make them something damaging, destructive, etc. Fear would be one of those. Anger, um, sex is one of those that has a purpose for which it was created and works beautifully for that purpose. But when it gets put outside of that purpose or the context for which it was created, um, eating something is that is one of my favorite things to do, of course. <laughs> Mine uh, too. <laughs> unfortunately. Mm -hmm. um, uh, uh, obviously, we have to eat, right? right? But, but when, when that gets twisted outside of its purpose and becomes about something that it's not for, mm -hmm. a lot of people actually treat anxiety with food, yeah. which tends to be, right, that becomes a medication when food was never meant to be a medication. Right. It's meant to be sustenance, right. right? And so it gets twisted outside of its original purpose and then, and it becomes destructive and it becomes unhealthy rather than healthy. So there is a place, there's a healthy place for fear. Mm -hmm. And that is in response to an actual <clears throat> threat. Right. We should be afraid. A semi's coming, get out of the way. Exactly. Move, mm -hmm. right? And the body, when, when we are experiencing fear, it goes into what we call fight or flight mode, mm -hmm. right? And I looked up some of the stuff that happens when you're in fight or flight, and it's really interesting, actually, okay? So the body actually bypasses the brain, like the, 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 made, the, the thinking parts of the brain, and it reverts to a more animalistic mode, which we're going to talk about that in a minute. Okay. Um, but, uh, and, and, and it, cre it, makes its, the, it makes itself ready to either run or defend itself and does that by upping your heart rate, upping your breathing, your breathing rate increases 
peripheral blood vessels like in your skin or the outside of your body they get smaller they constrict mm-hmm. uh, and they push blood into the central into your core where your vital organs are so that you can process food faster so that you can you know etc right um and it, it fills that part of you with uh with oxygen and nutrients muscles are pumped filled with blood ready to react violently muscles including those at the base of each of your hairs is that why your hair stand yes <gasps> become Ooh. tighter causing are you ready for this word not our not our 20 dollar word of the day but i thought it was a great word pilo erection moving on yep <laughs> which is colloquial colloquially called goosebumps Right. Okay. So that's what that is. Lots of big words there. Right. Colloquially, that's, you know, the way normal people talk about things. Okay. Metabolically, levels of glucose in the blood spike, Mm -hmm. providing a ready source of energy if the need for action arises. And similarly, levels of calcium and white blood cells in the bloodstream also increase. So when you're feeling anxiety, all of this all these chemicals start moving in your body. Right. right? And that's not even in the brain yet. You're just talking about that's in, your in body. the body. No, it's, it's the, bo- triggered, the brain has it's another triggered response. by a part of the brain. Right. Right. Um, uh, uh, which is called the hypothalamus. I think I'm trying to find it in my notes here. Okay. I'm going to read. So this is what happens in the brain. Okay. Cause what happens in the brain is it actually, when you're afraid, when you are in a place of fight or flight, Mm-hmm. Your higher thinking abilities shut down almost completely. Um, Which is crazy to think about. It is. Research reveals an unexpected role for the prefrontal cortex theory immediately behind the forehead that serves as the control center that mediates our highest cognitive abilities concentration, planning, decision making, insight, judgment, the ability to retrieve memories. The prefrontal cortex can be exquisitely sensitive to even temporary everyday anxieties and worries. When things are going well, the prefrontal cortex acts as a control center that keeps our baser emotions and impulses in check. Got it. Okay, so it helps us to recognize bad things will happen if you punch that person in the face. <laughs> right? That's that's reality. Uh, bad thing. Hey, bad things will happen if you say that to them. Right. If you use bad words. Yeah. Um, uh, on someone, it's working uh, and bad thinking things will properly. happen. Your prefrontal cortex is telling you that you might not want to blow everything up right now. <laughs> That's how it works. Okay. But when you're afraid, that part of your brain gets turned off mostly. Okay. Um, the new research demonstrates the acute uncontrol acute uncontrolled stress sets off a series of chemical events mm-hmm. that weaken the influence of the prefrontal cortex while strengthening the dominance of older parts of the brain, parts we share with lower life forms. In essence, it transfers high-level control over thought and emotion from the prefrontal cortex to the hypothalamus, that's the word I was looking for, and other structures. And as those parts take over, we find ourselves either consumed by paralyzing anxiety are subject to impulses we usually manage to keep in check. Indulgences in excess food, drink, drugs, or spending spree at the local specialty store. So, uh, we become idiots. <laughs> and Edit that groups. out. That's not very nice. We beca- well, I mean, I'm, I'm, <laughs> <laughs> but all of our, all of our smarts yeah. 
go out the window when we become afraid because it becomes about survival. Right. And so when we live in a constant state of anxiety, yeah. we're not able to use the brain that God gave us to make wise choices. Right. So fear is important in those jump out of the way of the semi. Yeah. But if we're in a, our bodies cannot tell the difference between a semi and a person that doesn't like us very much. Right. It perceives both of them as a threat. Right. At basically equal levels. So when we're going toe to toe with someone who is, who our bodies perceive as a threat, when, if we stay in fight or flight response, now the prefrontal cortex, what I didn't read from that article says, says that our thinking, the thinking part of our brain actually can shut down the fight or flight response. Hmm. But we have to allow that to happen. We have to do that. It's an intention. And is it a training so thing? We can, like it's yes, a, something it's you have very to do much a over and over. Thing. It's a thing we have to learn how to do. Kind of like the Jedi. To recognize <laughs> the Jedi. To recognize when we're in fight or flight. Right. And to refrain from making decisions out of that context. That makes sense. Okay, so it's just like, which is the exact same thing when we're angry. Right. Recognizing that we're angry. <laughs> And it's, you know, my mom always just say, count to 10, right? Well, that's a really good exercise, though, because right. that gives your prefrontal cortex, the thinking part of your brain, the opportunity to reassert itself and shut down all of the rest of your brain, which is, you know, going fire, 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 right? right? right. And, and so living in that place of anxiety all the time means that those chemicals are in our bodies all the time, right. which you had, you had read something to me earlier about how dangerous that is for your actual physical body. Yes. Um, that those chemicals are actually poisonous. Yes. Uh, over long periods of time. Over long periods of time. And like children, they talk about long-term trauma. Yes. Uh, and stress and those kinds of things that... Our, our brains also wash over with, I believe it's cortisol. I can't remember if I'm correct. Cortisol correcting. is one of the fear hormones. Yeah. Yeah. And um, so it washes over your brain, which is normal because then that helps everything from going, you yeah, know, right. and freaking out. But what happens when, um, especially in the, the earlier years, um, the formative years, yes, if that is something that is constant or consistent, yeah. It literally eats away at the brain because the chemicals keep coming and they keep coming. They're only supposed to come and wash over a little bit and right. then go away. But if you keep that, it literally eats away at the brain and it forms um, detachments of your brain being able to talk to itself and communicate with the the smart part of the front frontal yeah, cortex the of your brain. Cortex, yeah. yeah, And all of those things. So if you have dealing with issues and stuff that maybe you have had from your childhood that you were in constant stress and you dealt with um, abuse or you dealt with neglect or you had those things. Um, and we've talked about that a lot within families of, you know, going through the adoptions and the stuff that we've Absolutely. dealt with, yeah. you know, both of our boys have dealt with that. Yes. And um, people who adopt and get into foster care, a lot of those kids are coming into that. Then they're growing up with that fight or flight response as being their 
their main way of dealing with it. Right. They it's don't even. Like the, the switch is stuck in fight or flight mode. It is. It is. And, um, you know, we were told by a counselor once that because there's such a detachment in, in how that part of the brain works, you have to try to remap it. Yeah. And it's like moving the flow of a river one rock right. at a time. Yes. And um, I'm actually, eventually, God's going to get me there, and I'm writing a screenplay to make a movie mm. called Moving the River. Wow. And what that under, what that means. Very cool. But we walked out of there going, that was highly depressing. <laughs> you know, God, that's going to have to be you. you got to move a river one rock one at a time. One rock at a time. So you're trying to <laughs> remap a brain. And I know that there's resources and stuff out there that we sure. don't have in front of us to talk Certainly. about right. how as we are getting to know more that, that, you know, yeah. there's resources to help work there through that. There are ways to do it. I read a book this year <clears throat> called The Body Keeps the Score, which yes. totally changed my understanding of all of this. And it's about trauma mm -hmm. and it's about how, how trauma affects us physically. Um, and, and how the answer to trauma also the remapping also has to go outside the brain. You can't just talk through. Right. You actually, Eddie talks about having to physically enact things and physically it, it's, it, it, you have to involve the body in the healing of the trauma as well as just as it was involved in the actual trauma. Right. And, and um, the things that he talks about in that book about the ways that trauma can mess with your health. Yeah. People with autoimmune disorders yeah. tend to have tend to have had serious childhood trauma, because and the body is now because of the trauma it experienced in the past, is now fighting itself. Right. Because it's lived in this. And it may is, not show itself. I mean, right. I know that I'm in a place where I'm worked through a whole lot of stuff, and God has really healed me in a lot of different areas. But just in the last handful of years for me, I've really struggled with some of those physical things. Right. And I never did before. Right. You know, and I'm slightly older than you. I'm bleep years old. I'm not even going to say. And if you say, I will punch you. I'm not going to say <laughs> a single word. Thank you. Or multiple words. Don't say multiple words either. <laughs> Anyway, Damn but I'm, I'm rec <laughs> <laughs> uh -huh. I recognize that... Um, it's kind of like, you know, we talk about with our kids, you better not eat that. Right. Keep eating that now. Cause yeah. one day your body is going to not let moment you moment on the lips forever. On uh, the hips. Life to lifetime on the hips. Exactly. <laughs> but it may not happen until you're older. And I think that oh, that is happening a lot for people. Yeah. Um, younger people, obviously not because they're younger and, right. and that, but we're seeing, uh, combinations, you know, food environment, not dealing with stress properly, you know, and I think about back in the day, we talk about the the families that were in World War One, yeah, and World War Two. Right. They didn't process any of that. No, probably not. Most of them, you did, it wasn't talked I mean, about. They they may not have spoken about it. They processed it in their own way. But they yeah, did, but probably but probably not healthily. No, or at least not as healthily as we're able to do now. Right. So we do have resources to work through Absolutely. that. But there's also it feels like because of having so much knowledge on the internet and having so much at our fingertips and then people behind the keyboards being mean and hateful and, and Oof, doing all those kinds of things yeah. that 
there's more anxiety coming at us from different levels. Like we have too much information that is just keeping us in that fear. Right. In my opinion. Yeah. Well, and I was reading about um, things like phobias, okay, which are a phobia is an irrational fear of a specific thing. Yes. Um, uh, I don't know and, if I would consider it irrational, depending <clears throat> on what it is. Like a spider, well, that's not irrational. There's a difference between look <laughs> between seeing a spider and getting the heebie-jeebies, uh-huh. and seeing a spider and completely Shutting being down. physically incapable of doing anything. Sure. Yeah. And and a true phobia goes is that it's not it's not just I don't like spiders. It is a full fledged physical meltdown because of the presence of, of a sure. spider or even the picture. Of a spider, right? Um, which and it's a real thing. I used to torture my my one of my interns with pictures of spiders because really, yes, he would totally. He had a phobia. Oh yeah, completely. Yes. Have you repented for that? I think not you might a bit. need to. I, I have think not you repented. might need to repent. I don't think I do. I, I think I you think do. it was God's work. I, really, I don't I, think I, it was God's <laughs> work. <laughs> Everyone's gonna stop listening to you now. <laughs> Tortures people. I was people. trying to break his fear. Oh, well, like the Bob Newhart skit where she comes stop in. It. Yes, she comes in and stop asks for advice. Stop it or I'll bury you in a box. Exactly. Yes. Uh, Just yeah. stop it. Here's my five, my $5, please. Oh, my gosh. You're terrible. Uh, so is this a good place to stop for the $20 word of the day you know, before we I go think, into FOMO? I think that the this FOMA. is a great FOMO. 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 FOMA no, is out. something. O. It's F O M O. Oh yeah, FOMO. FOMO. I'm a homeschool mom. Right, anyway, go ahead. A, yeah, well, <clears throat> anyway, um, <laughs> I, <laughs> and this actually is a great place to stop for the twenty dollar word of the day because okay. the twenty dollar word of the day that I picked today actually describes my behavior with my with my intern years ago. Oh, okay. Yes, it is. Huh. The twenty dollar word of the day is incogitant. Incogitant. Cogitant. Incogitant. Yes. Right? I N C O G. Lots of prefixes and suffixes is in there. Okay. Incogitant means thoughtless or inconsiderate. Oh, you are very and incogitant. I was being incogitant at yes. the time when I was purposefully. And you still are because you want to their... apologize and repent. Did uh, you apologize to him? No, I never know. Of course I I mean. Uh, after I laughed heartily and long at his responses, then I would then I would apologize oh because goodness. I felt bad. But <laughs> you felt bad for like a minute, <laughs> then you did it again. Oh, I really did something bad there. I'm sorry. And then a day later, here's a new picture. And like when it. you took another intern on a <laughs> a roller coaster ride, and he was ready to have an aneurysm, and you didn't care. I thought that was hilarious. <laughs> you just drug him on and there. My my intern was saying very bad words. <laughs> On that particular ride. We will not name him. Out loud. I would never name Aaron Kimball on the podcast. It wasn't Aaron Kimball. Yes, it was. No, it wasn't. Yeah, he was the intern that was on the on the ride making, saying very bad words. You told me it was Mr. Uh, oh, I took, I, t- I did that to him too. He <laughs> <laughs> did that to Oh my goodness! I only knew about the other one. I didn't want to say his name out loud. <laughs> I did that to him too, but he wasn't ever an intern. Oh, I guess he that's was just true. in, just in your group. youth group. Yes, you did torture your youth group too. That's that's part of that's one of the perks of the job of being a youth pastor. <laughs> to you get to torture teenagers. You don't get paid a lot, so you have to. That's right. You got to get your get your, your 
thrill uh, somewhere. Have, have have fun somehow. Um. <laughs> well, I apologize, Aaron Kimball, for your youth pastor slash internship. This is probably this he explains a lot why you like the way years. you are. Like for like four years. Like oh my goodness, yeah. who can endure you that I, long? I know. I know. Wait, I'm I'm like two and a half was, years as your administrative say, assistant. You've been my administrative assistant now for a while. <laughs> so but I'm not nearly as mean to you as I was no. to him. And no. I didn't pay him, so <laughs> So I have a little bit of a threat looming over you. You be nice to me or I quit. <laughs> okay. Anyway. <laughs> That's a good. That's a good twenty dollar word. I, I incogitant. Like incogitant. I was thoughtless. I was inconsiderate. I still like Fonchi. <clears throat> Fonchi is Fonch. Yes, to Fonch. Yes. Yes. And I've had multiple people use it at me since um, then. Since, since our then, first. Yes, telling me that they great. that they had Fonched, <laughs> had been Fonching. Uh-huh. Uh huh. We're anyway. not going to tell them what it is now. They have to go back and listen to the first. They'll have one to listen to the or introduction. look it up. Yes, the intro episode. Okay. All right, so I wanted the last thing that I think we should go that we should talk about is this issue around. Well, we didn't talk about the fear of the Lord. Okay. Okay, because uh, but that's not. I, I want to talk about something else after that too. But okay. Um, why does the Bible tell us to fear the Lord? Proverbs chapter one verse seven says, "The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge." Right. Okay. That that does that mean we should be afraid of God? What do you think? No, absolutely not. And, you know, there's uh, the 365 uses of forms of the word fear or worry or whatever. Well, the the Um, phrase 365 times the Bible actually says, do not be afraid. Okay. And doesn't include do not worry. Uh, Well, that's probably one of them. I didn't didn't personally count them. I think you should. I'm getting this from someone else. Okay. don't you think so you I may should be fact completely check? wrong. You might be want to fact check that. I did, I did check the source, you know, that okay. there was more than one source of that. But well, 365, you have 365 times, times that says that, that we're encouraged to not be afraid in one context or another. But that word, the the Greek or Hebrew word of that is not the same as the fear of the Lord that is talked about in Proverbs, correct? Right. Well, there's several different Hebrew words that could be used for fear. Okay. Um, but the one that in, in Proverbs chapter 1... Uh, is more about reverence or awe, uh, the kind of feeling you would feel if you were standing in front of um, the the Mount Everest. Mm-hmm. That feeling of whoa, mm-hmm. that's the picture. And so, standing before the living God with that, right. Not a fear of being in the corner and going to get hit over the head with a two by four. Not seeing God as a threat. Right. I'm not seeing God as a threat, but I am recognizing his great power, his uh, majesty. I am standing in awe. I have a healthy respect for God's wisdom and his power. Right. So that is the difference between fear as in. I'm afraid God's going to hurt me mm-hmm. and fear as in that as that is the beginning of knowledge. The beginning of knowledge is to stand before God and say, you are God and I am not. That makes sense. Um, so we need to understand that. We need to operate that way, that a relationship with God should not be based on fear. Well, and that's, that's a hard one because I know I grew up 
in the Methodist. I'm not, there's nothing wrong with the Methodist, you know, denomination, but... Well, and every Methodist church is different too, so. It is, but there was a, you know, a healthy dose of fear right. that was a part of the sermons of, you know, fearing hell and, you know, change or else. Yes. You know, and sometimes as parents, we kind of like do this or you're going to get, you know, <laughs> butt smacked or you're going to lose this or you're going to do that. And, right. you know, we want them to do the right things. We want them to love themselves and love people right. out of their own right. understanding and not because if they don't, something's going to happen. Mm -hmm. But we grew up with that, or at least I did. I yeah. think a lot of people have. No, I totally did too. And I still, as a pastor, I have regular conversations with people that the gist of their conversation is, is God going to be mad at me right. for doing ABC? Right. And um, that's really, that that isn't a helpful way to think about any of this. Right. Um, and that's not really how sin works. Um, uh, is God going to be angry with me? Uh, and there's actually a really great, you're familiar with the Bible Project, yes? Yes, oh yes. There's a really great series in the podcast recently about God's anger and how God's anger works and what actually makes God angry. And um, I would definitely recommend it to anybody. It was really, really great. Uh, I love like, them anyway. For instance, uh, when God sent the flood, there's no mention that God is angry at all. It says he was sad. It does not say he was angry. Wow. Now we think of, well, you're destroying the world, right? right. So you must be ticked off. Right. No. That, the, the places where the Bible describes God judging like that almost never mention the anger of God. He's not angry in those moments. He is heartbroken mm -hmm. in those moments that he, and also it's, it is always a picture of God allowing the consequences of someone's actions to come to full fruition mm. rather than God being active, actively, purposefully choosing to kill or destroy. No, this is God. And maybe if we ever do one of these on anger, we can have that discussion more fully. Right. But, um, because I think there's a lot of people who question that and say, well, I don't want to, I don't want to follow some God who's, who not even angrily right. is willing to just let people suffer and die. Sure. And I totally understand that. Yeah. But that's not the picture of the God that we see in the Bible. Um, the God we see in the Bible is, uh, the, the place that isn't angry at us for, uh, for our sin. The only places when that talks about the places where God's anger is talked about is where we have made a covenant with him and then we break it. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That's the times, most of the times it talks about God being angry. That's what it is. It is we're on his team and we're betraying him mm -hmm. and that stirs his anger. And so when, when people come to me, I mean, even this week I've had somebody come to me and that was the gist of their conversation. Is God going to be angry with me about this? And so they're wanting to not do something because they're afraid of how God's going to feel about that. Right. And that's and that not is, the healthy way to approach it. Well, if the only reason I didn't break the rules is because I didn't want my dad to be angry with me, then that's only going to keep me from breaking the rules when I know he can find out about it. Mm -hmm. And that doesn't make me a better person. Right. When we recognize that the purpose of God's law is to protect us from ourselves, mm -hmm. the purpose of God's law is to keep us safe, 
is to put healthy boundaries around us so that we don't do things that are destructive to ourselves. So when, when, when I talk about the fear of God, one of the things that I look at in God that brings awe about in me is his incredible wisdom. Mm. So when he speaks, I should listen to this God. He knows more than me. Right. I respect his wisdom. And so in that awe, that, that, aspect of the fear of God. I'm what he has to say about my life is something I should hear and respond to. Uh, I should take his advice because mm-hmm. he knows better than me. And so the question more often than, I mean, should not be, is God going to be angry with me? The question is, is this a good idea? Right. <laughs> is this dangerous? Right. And in that fear makes sense. Should I be afraid of what's going to happen when I put my hand on a hot stove? Yes. So Mm -hmm. don't. So don't. Right. Right. And then going back to the fight or flight when uh, there's been trauma, a lot of times those decisions, you don't make them healthily. Right. You, You can't. It's almost like you can't. Right. And it's a it's paralyzing. Well, if your prefrontal cortex, the thinking part of your brain is shut down. Yeah. You can't think through what is the intelligent decision to make in this moment. Right. Cause and effect. Right. Your ability to do that has been dramatically diminished. Right. To think through what's going to happen if I do ABC. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It gets radically shut down. So uh, when we're living in a place of fear all the time, We're not able, which is why we're not able to make those kind of wise choices, which is why it's important for us to pause, de-escalate, allow the thinking part of our brain to re-engage so that we're not operating directly out of fear and make decisions from a place of peace and calm rather than a place of fear or anger. Right. And that was exactly what uh, I had read an article from a lady, you know, um, saying that uh, Bible says fear not, but sometimes I'm scared. Yeah. Bleepless <laughs> are you. And you're she, doing a lot of bleeping. Today. I'm doing a little bleeping. Bleep. <laughs> um, she was praying, Jesus, I'm afraid. Apparently there is fear not for every day of the year, but I need one for every minute, please. Mm-hmm. And since I'm a big scaredy cat, could you please teach me about fear so I don't feel so dumpy? Yeah. And this is what I heard. Fear is a cause to pause. Yeah. An invitation to stop and seek my way forward. Yeah, that's great. It's a warning flag. It is. But there are still, you know, as I said before, there's still so many people who, who are not, who don't have that relationship to even draw from. Sure. And people still need to be able to have those hard conversations with themselves and how to work at it or do something other than to stay where they are in their lives, regardless of whether the relationship is with the Lord. Obviously we both want people to have a relationship with the Lord because I would be scared bleepless to do anything without, right. Without God. Yeah. Um, and I can't imagine, I can't, it's hard for me to fathom how I was able and willing to do that for right. the 20 some years that I did, right. you know, before I became a Christian. 
I mean, I think I, you know, I became a Christian at three or four, but then I completely just, you know, went my own way and did my own thing. I never, I never said there was no God. I never said I didn't believe in God, but I didn't want to have anything to do with him. Sure. Right. And then, um, not until my early twenties. And then it's like, I can't imagine being in a place right, without him. Sure. So we have to be able to address people and love them where they're at if they don't have a relationship with the Lord, if that makes sense. Yeah. Well, and the cause to pause is not a bad idea, even if that pause isn't to, to talk to God, right. Uh, to take a second to allow the thinking part of our brain to re-engage. Right. That's not a religious statement that, that is a, that's just a scientific thing that if the, if the thinking part of your brain is not operating fully, you're going to make bad choices. Right. And uh, when, and, and being in that place where we say, it isn't, it isn't that, you know, when God says, do not fear or do not be afraid, uh, it wasn't, he wasn't rebuking them for their response. Most of the time we see that it's like an angel just showed up. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Don't and, be afraid. And who else, who's not going to, you know, need fresh undergarments uh, <laughs> when an angel shows up in the room. Right. right, and, right. and, and the angel's like, do not be afraid. Right. Right. And so in that moment, the physical response of this big, bright being just appearing in a room is going to be fear. Sure. And they were saying, it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. And for us to take that moment, uh, they, they weren't they weren't rebuking them for that physical response. We're all going to have that physical response, right? But to make a choice out of that place is the unwise thing, right? To maintain that, you know, to live in that feeling, to keep that, you know, and not recognize it for what it is, and then make an attempt to step away from it, right? Um, uh, and to make a decision out of a place of calm rather than a place of, of anxiety, uh, is difficult. Uh, The only thing that I would like to kind of touch on before we're done is that many people, and this is something I have wrestled with more than ever in my life, the past five years, but especially the past 18 months or so is, um, anxiety that has no discernible purpose. Like we don't even know where it comes from. Right. It's just like a fog of anxiety that surrounds surrounds yep. which is something that I began to experience for the first time in my life about five years ago I would just wake up and have feelings of anxiety mm-hmm. uh, didn't remember having a bad dream there wasn't anything that was weighing on my heart or my head particularly I just felt afraid and uh, that is something that happens um, we're not even really entirely sure. Doctors aren't even really entirely sure where it comes from. Right. It's just something that they recognize that takes place in some people's bodies where those chemicals just begin to, something happens and those chemicals are excreted. So, uh, and we kind of live in that place and fighting through to be able to get to a place of rationality and calm is almost impossible sometimes. Right. Um, which is, you know, why we have medical professionals that mm-hmm. we need to talk to about stuff like that, which is why there are medications mm-hmm. that are just getting better and better all the time at dealing with those kind of those kind of things. And there is nothing wrong with going to a doctor, Absolutely going not. to a counselor, 
getting on medication, et cetera, to deal with those kind of things. Right. Jesus will work. You know, there's a, Jesus does great things, but Jesus also uses doctors. So, you know, church people, I've heard church people say, oh, I don't, that, that they would feel guilty going on an antidepressant, which, right. uh, or the less of a Christian because they were on some kind of medication, which I, uh, I just want to say, no, no, don't, we shouldn't ever feel that way right. about, about those kind of things. If we're okay to take a vitamin, right. <laughs> because we're deficient in something. Sure. If you are having a chemical deficiency, right. doesn't mean that you shouldn't and, and everything shouldn't try other things along with it, oh, yeah. like getting you know, better sleep, eating getting better, better, sleep, eating better taking vitamins, yes. and obviously those things, which sometimes can feel like a complete ridiculous chore in and of itself yeah. of getting to that point. But no one should ever feel shamed or guilted right. or anything that they're not walking in faith if they are taking a medication right. for something that is needed. It's, it's absurd. And I will say exercise, just going for a brisk walk. Mm-hmm. has been such a huge help for me. It really has. When and I'm guys, more than girls, feelings. guys need, I mean, girls need it too. We need exercise too. But having had eight of my 10 as boys <laughs> yeah. and, and a husband, the physical activity, however God created you guys, yeah. having that physical activity helps you tremendously right. in so many different ways. Absolutely. Yeah. And for guys dealing with the anxiety... A, there's a stigma. Guys shouldn't have anxiety. Just deal with it. Just move on. Right. And that's starting to be shredded, hopefully. And, uh, and yes. it needs to be. Thank and God. it needs to not be a shameful thing. But guys also need to be willing to be self-aware to work with how their bodies right. react, how their brains react and sure. respond to things. And to do the things, if they can, to help them. Right. Like the exercise. Yep. Um, just in the winter time alone, if we up our vitamin D and we are, I make them go run out for 10 minutes, even if they're irritated and whatever, there's a better state of mind of just, of, of having that, mm-hmm. um, alone by itself. Right. If, especially when you have the, the grumps or the, they probably couldn't recognize that they were feeling some anxiety or I wouldn't have recognized that that's what they were dealing with. But just clearing that out can can be helpful as a tool to train yeah. your mind and your body to right. work through that unknown anxiety. Uh, to to reset mm-hmm. the fight or flight response, right? Because uh, that is for emergency purposes only. That right. is not for day to day, minute to minute use. Right. <laughs> it's not. <laughs> no. Um, and there are people that live for years and years at a time on adrenaline and it destroys your body. Right. Uh, my, my dad had a major breakdown yeah. uh, several years ago because he'd basically been running on adrenaline for 40 years right? and his body quit on him completely. Um, the day that it happened, he could, couldn't form a full sentence. Right. Uh, and he's one, he's one of the most eloquent speakers uh, around and he couldn't put a full sentence together. So uh, it was, yeah, it's, it's pretty, it's scary. <laughs> uh-huh. Well, uh, when you don't know where it's coming from and he didn't have, he didn't have a recognition of that. So oh, I think yeah, for that us, moment was absolutely, that was, I was there. Right. And that was really a, a, a difficult moment. It yes. Was, 
And I think for our purpose for here, and maybe we need to continue it next week or come back to it soon, is we're not trying to say we have all the answers. No. We're not trying to say that um, if you do ABC that everything's going to be fixed because both of us have dealt with fear and anxiety in different ways. Um, But we want to say, hey, you're not alone. Mm. Hey, we understand. Yes. Um, don't give up. Dig deeper. Um, try to find something to hang on to. Right. Um, a couple of years ago, we went through a lot of medical issues with our youngest. And I first started noticing some of the physical stuff. I had a, adrenal fatigue, and I still am dealing with it. It's upticked itself. I was doing better, and now it's really struggling again. Um, but I was dealing with this adrenal fatigue and I felt like I had the flu all the time and I couldn't get out of bed. Um, and we did a lot of school in bed and we, you know, I just was dealing with this probably like three years ago. I listened to a song. Like I, I was feeling like I was drowning. Like my nose was barely above. And I listened to one song every single day for about six months. Mm. And it was Danny Gokey's, uh, give me Jesus. Mm-hmm. And I would cry. Yep. Every single time I listened to that song. And it was the only thing that I could hold on to. It wasn't, yep. I didn't, you know, I didn't feel angry at God or I didn't feel any of those kinds of things, but I just felt very hopeless yeah. in a lot of different ways. Yeah. But my body was responding and reacting to all of the stress that we had been going through for the past several years and just started shutting down. And that was literally the only thing I could hold on to. And I felt stupid. But I would listen to it three and four times a sure. day. But then after a while, I realized that that was that was just the one thing. And whether someone is a follower of Jesus or not, right. finding something to hold on to, whether it be something that you're reading, something that you do, something to yeah. hold on to, whether it is you decide, okay, I'm going to try prayer, mm-hmm. or reaching out to someone and say, I yep. need you to, to walk through this with me. Yeah, for me, it was my prayer liturgy. Mm. Um, I have a written out liturgy, which I can post on this podcast uh, oh, uh, page if anybody's interested. I have a written out liturgy of prayers and and verses. Yeah, I love it. Um, that uh, that I pray through regularly, and when I was in the really the depths of the of the worst part of uh, this struggle, I've uh, just am, am on my way out of right now. Um, I couldn't pray at all. I just wasn't capable of having a normal conversation with God some of those days, but I could pray these prayers and a wise preacher who taught me about prayer liturgies. Uh, his name's Brian Zonda. He, he said, that's what he says is when you can't pray, at least say your prayers. <laughs> and, and, um, and so I took that advice to heart and I began and that though that prayer liturgy became such a rock of stability for me that would, that was, if not the thing that brought me out of, of the wrestle, it would at least, it was at least a solid place to stand. Yeah. And, uh, I will post a link to that, uh, in the show notes for this so that anybody that wants that liturgy can have it. Yeah. Um, it's made up of ancient Christian prayers, and a whole lot of scripture. 
that I would that just pray through. It takes about 45 minutes to pray through the whole thing. Or you um, can do, or you can do bits one and verse, pieces. little bits yeah. and pieces. You have it all spelled out there very nicely, yes. so it's not Um But I would highly recommend that. Yeah, and that was my song. Right. That's what I did right. every day. Uh, and I would usually do that on a walk. I would go on a walk, and I would do that those things at the same time. And so that helped me battle with that. But Well, I think we should... There's probably more to say because I know There's that we... There's always more to say. I mean, come on. <laughs> True. But I think this could I think it's, definitely yeah. have another hour or more Let, of talking We can probably about wind it down here. Yeah. But if you have any questions or if there's anything you'd like us to pray with you about or if there's anything else, any other aspects to this fear conversation maybe we missed or maybe that you would like to hear us talk about, you can email us at randomtangentspodcast at gmail.com uh, or... If you go to the the anchor page where this website is located, which will be in the show notes of the of wherever you find this podcast, uh, you can actually leave us a voicemail message that and we will get to hear your voice. And if that is um, a helpful message or something we think we should need to share, we'll actually play it um, on the podcast. Uh, give us permission next times. Yeah. Please give us permission as to. Yeah. If you don't uh, want it to be shared, let us know that as well. Right. Absolutely. I accidentally found that and he didn't like it that I sent him this big, long message. <laughs> hey, this is really cool. You know, cause that's all I need is more Michelle <laughs> more in my Michelle life. More Michelle in your life. <laughs> you know, that's, that's definitely something. I was that... just happy I found something. It was like, <laughs> this is kind of cool. And then I go, and I don't know if we want to use this, period. I like put it in the voicemail. I don't yes, know if anybody's done that, but oh, I, have done I hate that. it when I do that. Exclamation point. Exactly. Uh, yeah. Anyway. So All random right. tangents with an S. Yes. Podcast. Yeah. At, at gmail.com. Gmail. Correct. All right, everybody. God bless you. Have an amazing day. And uh, we'll talk to you next time. Hey, we would love some, some further suggestions about topics that yes, we should, please we should tackle. So, further suggestions. Have a great day, everybody. Yep, send us our way. Thanks. Bye-bye.